Welcome back, everyone, uh, to another episode of Talking Smack, talking superheroes, movies, animation, and comics, and we have another big gap between previous episodes. Um, you've heard the excuses before, so we're just going to dive right into it. Joining me again this week is Alex. Alex, welcome back. Hello, hello, hello. And in lieu of doing our usual format of news and then main topic, we've got two main topics. Uh, one is Infinity War movie review. The other is Deadpool 2 movie review. Typically, I like to try and do non-spoilers, but Infinity War has been out long enough that we're going to do full spoilers. Yep. Makes sense, because mm-hmm. it's been almost a month. No one's even going to listen to this part of the podcast, probably, unless mm-hmm. I time I don't time code it, which I usually don't anyway. <laughs> uh, and then we're going to do full spoiler, spoilers on Deadpool, because all the non-spoiler stuff you've seen in the trailers. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. There's there's more layers to this Deadpool, but you've what you already know the basic idea of the story, so... We're going to move right along into it. So, Infinity War. Starting off right away, uh, we have two ratings. We have must-see and pass. Mm -hmm. This is a must-see for me, obviously. You can't really be invested in the MCU and not want to see this movie. Well, it's just a must-see for me because there are things in this movie that I never expected to see in a movie ever. Thanos grips a moon... And tries to uh, Chewbacca the Avengers. It's fantastic. <laughs> Star Wars Legends Chewbacca. Oh, sorry. Like that, that death is no longer canon. <laughs> no, no. And apparently he, we might see him, his wife and kids and best friends in Solo. So, Yeah, I, I have thoughts on Solo, but we'll save that for the review episode next uh, yeah, yeah. week. My main thought on Infinity War is, one... This is the Empire Strikes Back of the MCU. It took us 10 years to get here, but this is very much the Empire Strikes Back of the MCU. Completely. Uh, you have a darker ending where the heroes don't necessarily win, but they they get out, most of them anyway. And it, it, it was just emotionally draining. I, I actually did pretty well and stayed away from spoilers. And uh, when we got to the end, which we'll discuss later, I was like, I was audibly just going, holy shit. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've seen some people argue that it's not really The Empire Strikes Back because it doesn't feel like it's a fully complete movie, to which I don't understand that. I disagree completely. It has a beginning, middle, and end. It The only the main argument, they're like, well, it's going to get all resolved in the next one. It's like, yeah, well, it's going to get all resolved in the next one, just like everything was resolved in Return of the Jedi. This is an Empire Strikes Back style movie in that the heroes lose and now must figure out what to do next. I'm not sitting there. I'm not sitting at the end of the movie wondering, um, wondering what is going on, what's wrong, why I feel like the mission wasn't completed. The mission failed. That's the movie. I would counter argue that with going with the Star Wars trope. It it's all a matter of perspective, because this movie is pretty evenly divided four ways. Mm-hmm. You have Thanos and his quest for. Uh, all the Infinity Stones to get the Infinity Gauntlet put together. Yeah, you have Iron Man, Doctor Strange, and Peter Parker doing their thing. Mm-hmm. You have the Guardians and Thor doing their thing, and then you have the Earthbound heroes doing their thing. Captain America, Scarlet Witch, all of them, Black Panther, and even though you have this four-part story, this is very much Thanos's movie. Oh yeah, totally. And that's where it kind of you get the the complete story yeah. is because you have Thanos' story, which is beginning, middle, and end. Although we do kind of come in in the middle of the beginning because we don't see the attack on Xandar. But this is very much Thanos' movie. We set up emotional stakes for him because he has to do certain things that 
cost him things that he cares about. Although as a villain, he's not supposed to care about anything. And I apologize if you hear kids screaming in the background. My children are <laughs> refusing to fall asleep. But yeah, the one thing I will talk about right away is uh, Thanos's quote unquote children, the Black Order, uh, the Ebony Maw, Cull Obsidian, Proxima Midnight, and Corvus Glaive. They are technically Thanos views them as children. They're they're his servants. They they consider themselves servants, but they are also his children. Like they are the closest thing he has to children. And while most of them are just kind of placeholders to kind of progress the story along, the Ebony Maw, especially the the weird priesty one. I'm right. sure I'm sure you're not familiar with all the names. No, um, well, I, I I'm very familiar with Proxima Midnight because I kept going. She looks cool. She looks. <laughs> this is going to sound weird, but she was. Gorgeous. Yeah. Like when they did the close-up shots, like yeah. she was creepy, but the the art and the animation of the graphic design was just awesome. Yeah, no, I kept every time they get a close-up, I was like, I was like, she's fascinating. I want to like know more about her. Can I cosplay as her? No, 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 no. I'm not gonna do that. Can uh, can my wife cosplay as her? Because that her outfit, her thing, her the poise, the uh, motion capture art, art actress they got for her was fantastic. One other thing I will say about the the Black Order is that Kevin Feige came out and said, once you hear their voices, you'll know who they are. No. And it's like, I couldn't pick those people out of a lineup. No, not in close. Yeah. And I mean, that's fine. It, it made it less distracting because I wouldn't yeah. be like, oh, that's Mark Hamill. Oh, that's D. Bradley Baker. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's Tara Strong. You know, the, I wasn't. No, I like no the minute I there. realized that I'm not going to actually recognize these voice actors, I'm like, I'm going to move on and just enjoy this. Yeah. Uh, but the Ebony Maw, he was he was creepy as hell. Uh, he's the Squidwardy guy that blew. Yeah, he was yeah. Squidward. That was fantastic. He was cool because I um I liked how they set him up and that I was wondering how they're going to go. You know, um, because Doctor Strange is Magician Supreme or Wizard Supreme. Sorcerer Supreme. Sorcerer Supreme. Thank you. And I was like, okay, well, this should be an interesting quick battle. And he's like, Haha, you're a child and your tricks. I'm like, ooh, this guy's going to be interesting. <laughs> and he was very interesting. And I love that. Um, I thought he was fantastic. Yeah. He was creepy. And he was exactly with somebody who was mastering the dark arts should be. Yeah. And then you had Cole Obsidian, who was the big brute guy who just like grunted along. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he went through two arms within the movie. <laughs> uh, and then he got just diced and sliced and diced and made Julian Fry's. No, um, on the um, on the Harry Potter portal uh, orb, yeah, <laughs> yeah. shield, yeah. Uh, and it, Proxima Midnight, I think she she was the second most utilized out of mm-hmm. the the dark, the Black Order. Uh, Ebony Maw had the most things to do, but that was very early on. Yeah. Uh, then Proxima Midnight had a little bit more to do, but she still didn't get too much to do. She was just kind of she and Corvus Glaive, which in the comics they're actually married. Oh. Okay. Which is why they kind of have a similar skill set and power set. You know, right. he's got his staff and she's got it hers. Uh, but Corvus Glaive is actually like Thanos's right hand guy in the comics. Mm. He's the guy he goes to, and they didn't give him much of anything to do. He had a couple of little one liners, but he had a very forgettable role. Which one was he? He was the guy in the hood. Uh, he was the guy that was like trying to steal the gem out of Vision's head. Did he die? Yeah. How did he die? Um, let me go through my databanks here. Um, Somehow he died. Okay. <laughs> he got he gets stabbed. He gets Coulsoned. Um, oh yeah 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 yeah. So he, he gets he's reverse fighting, vision. Vision reverse vision. Yeah time. yeah. He he's fighting Vision in Wakanda, and then Cap comes, and Cap gets a little overpowered, and then Vision gets him. And Vision shows up from leaving. His, uh, he does his did he did they or did they not databank him moment and shivs him. Yeah yeah okay. 
Okay, so we're going to kind of talk about the story a little bit here. Uh, everyone knows kind of how this movie starts through the trailers. Um, Thanos shows up on Thor's ship, which we see at the end of Thor Ragnarok. Uh, ends up killing Loki. Again, we're talking full spoilers here. Yeah. Which it's the first five minutes of the movie. It's not to be expected. Uh, but the way Loki went out was actually still pretty nice mm-hmm. for a character that really seemed kind of unredeemable or irredeemable. Mm-hmm. Um, he he considered himself an Odin son. Yeah. And he he did something that I'm going to come back to if I remember to put it in my notes uh, that also Gamora did where they're the only two people in the entire movie. I'm just going to go get to another list. I'm going to forget. Uh, they're the only two people in the movie that went for Thanos's head. Yeah. Ever like Thor, when he ends up doing his, he just chucks right his ax and gets him in the chest because he wants that, that moment of vengeance to kind of gloat and it, right. it doesn't work. Uh, but yeah, Loki and Gamora both obviously kind of knew something that everyone else didn't really think about. Yeah, um, actually, I'm. I actually really like Loki's mini really arc because that entire beginning portion was mostly just him. Thor got beat up and then chained up really quick. Uh, Heimdall unfortunately gets off, and his whole purpose of being alive was to send Hulk to Earth instead of you know Thor or somebody <laughs> useful, um, which kind of annoyed me. But the entire beginning portion is just Loki. Mostly, they're setting up for him to get off, and I actually really liked it because he obviously has a test reactor, why they show up. He, he then tries to make a bargain, which of course is a trick because he's like, "Oh yeah, we have a Hulk." Yeah, which and, was a nice callback, which was fantastic. And then I really love what they did with Hulk is they did what is it? Um, it's called like beat up wharf. It's a trope where you take the strongest creature that you have and you beat the hell out of him in the first five seconds to show, oh, this guy's going to be tough. Yeah, which completely worked. And they continued that arc with him. Then Loki, you know, hands it up, tries to re give himself as a servant again. And of course, Thanos is not having it because Thanos already had Loki as a servant. No, he couldn't trust him, so he strangles him to death. In front of Thor, and that is just that was dark, because it wasn't like I expected him to snap his neck or something. No, it was just that like he just slowly strangles him while Thor watches until the neck breaks. And they put Thor through so much in these movies. Oh yeah, like first movie he gets his power taken away, which <laughs> he he earns back. But then at the end of the movie, he finds out that his brother is a traitor and presumed dead. Right. Come back in the second one, his mother dies, but his brother comes back, but his brother's a dick. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you go to Avengers and he finds out that his brother's alive, but yeah. his brother's a dick. And then, again, mother dies and also thinks Loki dies again. Again. <laughs> and then you come into Thor 3 and his dad dies and he has to kill his sister and he loses an eye. Mm-hmm. And Asgard is destroyed. Or at least the, the city's the, destroyed. Yeah, the city yeah. of Asgard is destroyed. And, and then uh, after all that, Jane dumps him. <laughs> <laughs> and... Yeah, there was that moment with um, uh, with Rocket and Thor where Rocket goes like, "I have to be the captain." And wanders over and talks to him, and and he's like, "Oh yeah, he's putting on the Ragnarok persona of like he's he's gone from stoic kind of like medieval drunkard to um, I need to pretend to be the king to kind of like surfer boy persona, which I think really works." Yeah, but then he, you know, Rocket talks to him and. Thor lays out everything he's lost in the last five and a half years, and it's like, damn, yeah, you've been put through the ringer, boy. Yeah, and then he, 
And then he, it all drops, and for like 15 seconds, we actually get some good acting out of Chris Hemsworth of like, oh shit, this is right, man. This is a person. This is a character. This is somebody we've been watching this journey with. He actually is a broken figure. And then he's like, oh, gotta kind of keep smiling or whatever little line he has of, you know, we're gonna go do this. It's like, oh, this this sucks, man. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I want to go through some of this here. Uh, Again, we're, we're going full spoilers. We assume everyone listening to this has seen the movie. Uh, obviously, at the end, Thanos gives a snap and half the universe disappears. Yeah. So, first, I want to go through the pre-snap deaths. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm, I'm going to ask you, do you think these stick? So, first one is Loki. Yes. Obviously. Uh, I do think that one sticks just because I think both he and Chris Hemsworth are out of contract at, after Avengers 4. Right. And so, it kind of makes sense to either recast or just let them go off into Mm -hmm. the sunset. Loki had his redeeming moment, kind of, so it's a nice and fitting end for him. Uh, Heimdall, which I'm going to just preface this, didn't affect me at all. I I found it really weird that Thor considered him his best friend. That was weird. Um, But Heimdall, I... For his little screen time he's had, I really liked what Idris Elba was trying to do with the character. Because the first one, he's just kind of hanging out there. I guard the, the I guard the bridge. The second one, he didn't does the whole. I'm gonna help betray everybody, so you guys can get get away. Um, the arrest me moment, and then the third movie, he has his he has his Jesus savior kind of, and then it turns out his eye he can share the eye vision with others, which I thought was really cool. That was a really interesting addition to it. Yeah, um, uh-huh. I will say I am very grateful that he did not end up being the Soul Stone. Yeah, that was that a was a stupid theory, and I'm very glad it ended up not being true. Well, I'm just glad it wasn't in Wakanda, which everyone was saying was going to be. Yeah, I was I, like, Earth is way too important for 99 percent of the stones to end up there. Yeah, or, yeah, half of them at least, because there would be there would have been three at that point on Earth. Tesseract, Aether. Um, well, at that point they had two. They had um, they had the the, the mind gem and the the time stone. Right. And then at that moment, right, and then at the they also had the tesseract at one point, and the ether made an appearance there as well. But the yeah. ether was never really like technically there. No, it was just earth was a portal to get to this yeah. place. But still, it's like it's there. Yeah. So I mean, at, at no given time was there ever like two stones ever being kept on Earth though. On um, purpose. Yeah. yeah. So um, we obviously talked about the Black Order. I think those deaths stick just because they're yeah. the villains, and Marvel doesn't care about most of their villains. And then uh, the big one, Gamora, I don't think that one sticks, just because we already know there's a Guardians 3 coming out. I don't think it sticks because of her importance to Thanos. So I think there's there's going to be some kind of timey-wimey stuff of maybe she's stuck in the Soul Stone, maybe the soul, she can be redeemed from it. Um, maybe that place where the Red Skull is is actually some kind of actually housing unit. I don't know. Um Maybe that's not actually a real cliff. <laughs> Maybe it's a metaphorical, oh, wow, you're willing to kill your daughter. Okay, she's dead, quote-unquote. That's what I was yeah. thinking for a while, and then they showed her lifeless corpse on the ground with the blood spewing out. Yeah, I think she's I think she's going to come back if it's going to be some trickery of the Soul Stone or the, or the Time Gem. The, the Soul Stone has been known to retain the souls of people killed by it or yeah. around it. So I, I do think she's coming back, whether it's in Avengers 4 or that's going to be the main plot of Avengers or Guardians 3, is that 
they have the soul stone and they have to figure out a way to get Gamora back. Guardians 3, the search for Gamora. Exactly. <laughs> uh, which, the soul stone, that was an awesome surprise to see the Red Skull. Like, that was fantastic. Trapped. Yeah. And what is it? Vor- Vormir? Something like that. Something yeah. like that. Uh, as the like the watcher essentially of the soul stone he basically is there to guide and show people what they need to do to gain access to the soul stone but because he has nothing that he loves he can't ever have access to it so he just sits there and gaining knowledge and wisdom and nothing to gain from it and fun fact that was not hugo weaving voicing the red skull that was some guy who uh, i guess is just like a really good mimic i forget his name but he did a really good Hugo Weaving Red Skull. Yeah, I thought it was him. Until it was like midway through, I was like, there's something slightly off with the face. Yeah. Well, this, the entire face and stuff was CGI. Oh, but, they didn't but, do the mask thing? Yeah, okay. they, they just CGI'd the whole thing. <laughs> uh, but the, the guy in the voice, like, there were little things in the voice that was like, eh, that's not quite Hugo Weaving, but yeah. A for effort. Yeah. Super, like, A triple plus for effort. <laughs> Um, but that that the soul stone was really cool like i i enjoyed how the only thing i didn't like about that moment was i felt like zoe saldana kind of hammed up her joy of realizing thanos quote unquote had nothing that he loved yeah it was a little like played up to the audience he's like there was the moment of like the whole of the audience there gave the audience just enough time to realize like oh he loves her oh crap he loves her Oh, and crap. she's still sitting she, there. She's like laughing, yeah, and, laughing, smacking her hand. Yeah, her and she's like, "You, and, the universe has judged you, and all this stuff." And I'm just like, "You're no, you gotta, you gotta reel that one in. That's too much." Like, yeah, I, I think she did sell the betrayal when she, when after the audience had enough beats, when suddenly she's like, "Ah, oh, crap." Yeah, the real, <laughs> her realization was fantastic, yeah. but the, the, the stuff leading up to that. Where she's laughing and just, you know, the universe has judged you because you love nothing and you can't have this now yeah. because the only thing you love is death and destruction. And now you can't because obviously you can't get rid of that yeah. uh, or throw it over a cliff. And then you have the Red Skull saying he's not crying for himself. Yeah. And then she has the realization and everything from that moment is fantastic. And uh, yeah, it just ugh, that moment was that moment got heavy really quick. Like yeah. I was getting a little annoyed with Zoe in that moment, but then it got heavy quick. I was like, "Oh shit!" And then uh, what other deaths that we have uh, that are confirmed on screen, two of which I thought were safe picks, like to not die in this movie. Which I mean, technically, do they are they technically dead if they're blinked out of existence? Yeah, I think they're technically okay. Dead. <laughs> So Black Panther was the first one. I thought I thought he and Spider Man were safe. No, oh, certainly. Yeah, like you're not gonna kids love Spider Man and yeah. Black Panther. You know, you mostly assume that that's gonna be a, a mm-hmm. pretty successful movie. I know they filmed this. Yeah. You know, a year before Black Panther came out, so they had no idea of knowing it was gonna be at the time the highest grossing superhero movie of all time. Yeah, there was um, there was a bunch of people like, well, we know people are gonna die, but it's not gonna be Black Panther. I mean. Look how popular it is. They can edit him, edit it out. I'm like, yeah, not that close, not that quickly. Look what Justice League had to do when they had to edit back in, back out a mustache. <laughs> they can't re-edit back in Black Panther in three months. Yeah, which they even bumped up their time frame, so it was more like two and a half months. Yeah. Uh, then we also had Bucky, which that that was a little bit of post production that bothered me because. 
Um, I've seen it twice. I've seen it once on a standard screen. I saw it once on IMAX, and both times Bucky stands out like a sore thumb when they start to go ash. Really? Uh, if you pay attention, like Steve's Bucky's like just over Steve's shoulder in the shot, and he, you can just see like that harsh black, fairly odd parents line around him. Is it as bad as um, Banner in the Hulkbuster armor? Yes. Is it that? That's, it's, okay, it's I'm gonna have to rewatch bad. that part. Okay. Yeah, Don Cheadle. Like, the, there's some really bad post production stuff that yeah. like is forgivable mm-hmm. because they've come a long way. But like what you're talking about with Banner and the Hulkbuster armor, like his head even looks a little off center. Yeah, I um, don't but get Don that. Cheadle looks really bad in the with the helmet down too. Weird. We also had Groot, which. Uh, James Gunn was asked what was the la- what was his last mm-hmm. I am Groot mm-hmm. and he he says father yeah. to Rocket which is just like even more heartbreaking uh, Scarlet Witch Star Lord Drax basically all of the Guardians except for Rocket and Nebula mm. and then you also have Doctor Strange Maria Hill and Nick Fury yeah there's some so. And then a bunch of no-name Wakandans. Yeah, to cut back to um, some of the weird deaths, I am slightly annoyed by Nebula not disappearing. Because I've gone through this weird phase with her. Like, the first movie, I kind of liked her. The second movie, I actually really kind of liked. I liked the whole story of her going along the lines of, you know, how you know we were sisters we grew up together with him we fought every day and every day he would take a piece of me away and replace it with robotics until there's nothing left of me and you never let me win once i was like wow that is actually that's harsh but then this movie i was just like i don't know i just didn't care like i I don't know if it was the the plot's fault with the whole gamora out of nowhere telling her Oh, I know where the Soul Stone is, but I'm never going to take him to it. And it it's re and for some reason, apparently Nebula is a living voice, is a living recorder, which was never established, and suddenly is. And apparently, he can just tap her databanks and search for Soul Stone. Oh, hello, that's weird, and that pissed me off. And I'm not sure if that's the character's fault or the writing's fault, but I suddenly didn't care about her. That that was very much a plot device. Okay. That was just Thanos needed a reason to not trust. Gamora and even though he's like you were always a bad liar now I have proof like okay Um, but going back to Gamora there's there's a plot hole in what you were just talking about when she tells Star-Lord that if Thanos gets her he he Star-Lord has to kill her right because she knows something and if she tells Peter what she knows then he'll know and he'll be in danger yeah it's like you you literally just learn the location of the soul stone by saying i know where the soul stone is like then it just comes into your mind like okay yeah, and, yeah. but she she tells nebula like i she well she says i found the map to the soul stone right and i burned it okay well how come nebula doesn't now know where it is yeah that is a little weird because yeah just because literally, all so, she has to do is tell Star Lord, "I know where one of the I know where one of the stones are." Yeah, that's all she has to say to him, and Instead he can be like, like, "Oh, well, that obviously that's a problem." Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. That doesn't make it weird that she's like, "Promise me you'll kill me if he captures me," because I know something. And he's like, "Well, what is it? I can't tell you." That is weird. Why didn't you just be like, "I know where one of the stones are"? Well, it's not this only that she says, "I can't tell you." She says, "I can't tell you because if I do, then you'll know." Yeah. Like, what sense does that make? That's weird. You're right. That that's, is weird wording. That's like my biggest nitpick on the movie, other that's than uh, 
Thor's new eye being a different color, that bothered me a little bit. <laughs> I was like, it's a robotic eye. Can't you just like pop it out and like change the, the color a little bit, the match? Okay, or- so if we're going to talk about nitpicks, there's one thing that bothers me to no end, and it pisses me off. That's not how you smith. <laughs> I'm sorry. The Lord of the Rings and my limited amount of actually blacksmithing while doing reenacting, you do not make it a functional battle axe by just heating up some metal, pouring it into a flat um, into a flat shape, and it suddenly works. You all you have is a flat slab of metal, but that well, thing no, is a, that thing's a full battle axe it's, with it's sharp. The mold. No, the the flat is the outside of the mold. And no, no, but, pour, it, but the, it poured on top of it, and then he like hit it with his hand. Yeah, and knocked poured it, into it. Yeah, but he then hit it with his non-hand, and it just kind of breaks out, and it's fully formed and sharp. Why wasn't he just making weapons all the time like that then? If the mold is all you need, and the mold makes it super sharp and functional, then what is it? What, why does the dwarf's hands are removed? It's because it's Uru. <laughs> they, See, that's not how you smith, though. That's you, how you smith with Uru. But... <laughs> What does he need his hands for? <laughs> because he's a dwarf and he's a little arrogant. No, you need hands to refine he's a ten and foot, sharpen. He's a ten-foot tall dwarf. You fold the metal. You sharpen. You use different things. You—that's uh, the only thing that really pissed me off. Is it's just like oh, he just hits it with his hand. It breaks out of the mold. And he's like, I just need, I just need a broomstick, and we're good. And it's like, it's not sharp. I like the idea of Groot <laughs> giving up a piece of himself to be the the handle of the ha- awesome. of the axe mm-hmm. but if you go back and look at the the concept art of infinity war where you see like the big spreadsheet of uh of all the heroes thor's got his hand behind his back and he's got this really like sleek beautiful handle of the of the new uh stormbreaker of his new axe hammer yeah. whatever you want to call it I like that a lot more than I like Groot as the handle but I I, I like what they did with Groot. I like the meaning of it yeah yeah it's Although technically the handle probably... Well, no, it's no longer a part of Groot, I yeah, guess. Yeah, he, he broke off his own arm to give him the, the handle, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and then his, his arrival in Wakanda was awesome. Oh, yeah. And they they blast the Avengers theme when Rocket and Groot and Thor show up, and Thor's in his full full body armor, not just exposed arms. That, that's a great moment. I don't know if we were talking about this off the air or on the air, but in the Battle of Wakanda, they do two things that are awesome. One, they pull off a faceless army. Yes. You don't even think about it. No. Like, you don't even realize that, oh, they're doing the Chitari and the yeah. Ultrons again. They, no, they pull that off without you even realizing it. Oh, yeah. And two, when they open up the the shield to let, to bottleneck the Outriders in, we were talking, I know we were talking about this. I just can't remember if it was on the air or off the air, but, you know, they do Wakanda forever and then they run. Mm-hmm. And then Cap and Black Panther just break out in front of them mm-hmm. and they they just charge in head, head on in, in the front of the battle and that moment's awesome i got chills in that moment because i'm like yeah go cap go go yeah. t'challa that's actually something i really liked about the movie other than apparently you can take groot as an elective in asgardian college <laughs> <laughs> that's a great aside which which means the groot homeworld is somewhere in the nine realms because asgard is kind of like this weird amish culture in the universe yeah. and they only really acknowledge the nine realms. Yeah. You, you know, Jotunheim, Svartalheim, Nidalevir, which I always pronounce it as Nidalevir, but I guess it's Nidalevir, according to hmm. MCU pronunciations. So, yeah, that means the Groot homeworld has to be somewhere on the nine realms. Yeah, as an elective. Yeah. <laughs> no, the the thing I liked best about the movie was it annoyed me slightly, but I, I accepted it that they shanked Vision almost immediately 
because Vision is way too powerful. They got Professor. He he got Professor Axed. Yeah, and which I, I appreciate that they did that, and that allowed um that allowed Scarlet Witch's powers to be a little more focused on in the relationship. Uh, which I actually really like the relationship. There's an interesting dynamic where if you, where so Peter can't bring himself to shoot Gamora until finally he like brings himself to do it, and finally does it, and of course bubbles appear. It took him far too long to do it, which I then love that that is mirrored with Scarlet Witch being forced to kill Vision, and she hesitates for a moment, but then goes with it because he encourages her the entire time of I love. I don't even know what he's saying. I think he's saying like I trust me or I love you or yeah. Something. I, I think it's it's a little bit of everything. Yeah, and she goes through with it without. She doesn't hesitate. She's like, okay, I'm going to finish this off. Then Peter hesitated, and that's and I think I like I just like that dynamic of like. One person got a soul stone because he took too long to make the decision to kill a person loved. The other person was like, damn it, okay, I'm going to do this. We're doing this now. I really like that. Long trail of thought. They show the power levels of all the heroes amazingly well throughout the entire movie, and especially that final battle. You have Rocket and Bucky, who are basically equally matched with their guns, just sitting there firing around people. You have... You have War Machine and Falcon, Falcon who are doing the aerial bombing things. Similar matchup, but they show Falcon's way more maneuverable, the way he's able to dodge and stuff. And then you have Captain America and Black Panther who are just kicking ass down there. Cap's doing his own thing with his vibranium shield, and then they show a few of the concussive blasts of uh, Black Panther's suit, which I was like, are they not going to acknowledge that? And all of a sudden, boosh! Yeah. And then Thor comes out of nowhere, just returns Earth from apparently he, the... Stormbringer can biofrost. Stormbreaker can biofrost. Slams into the earth. Bifrost. Not bio. Frost. Sorry. Bifrost. Slams into the earth, and then he starts that chain lightning, destruction, yeah. concussive blast everywhere, destroying everything in his path. Then you have the Hulkbuster armor, who's doing its own thing, who's taking all the people, but getting really damaged. And then... So you understand the various power levels they have and, that, and what they can do. And I really love that, because it's the first time that I was like... That I start feeling that these, yeah, Thor's actually a god. Black Panther and Captain America are superhumans, and the others are just well-trained military dudes. Pretty much, <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, Scarlet Witch gets her moment, in, and you start realizing, oh, that's right, semi Scarlet Witch is kind of demigodish. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, there's so many things to talk about with this movie. Uh, I mean, it definitely doesn't. It doesn't stop. No. There, every scene has a purpose. Uh, even even the scene where, like we were talking about, that's kind of a continuity error where Gamora's refusing to tell Peter where the Soul Stone is or what she knows about. Yeah. And at the end of it, though, there's a, a really long moment with Drax where he's munching on some space nuts. And they're <laughs> like, how long have you been standing there? An hour? Uh, and you're like, yeah, but I've been standing so still I, I've become imperceptible to the human eye. <laughs> And he like starts eating his nut, and they're like, "We see you." He's like, Damn it! Yeah. And no, Mantis comes in. He's like, "Yeah, but I was moving so slow; it was imperceptible to your your eyesight." And then Mantis comes in. And she's like, "Hi, Drax." <laughs> and he's like, "Damn it!" Yeah. No, there's little moments, but there's little. They're all little moments of character development. I didn't feel bored. I mostly, I've only seen it once. I do want to see it again, but I'm probably going to see Deadpool two first, just because Infinity War is. An emotional slog. Yeah. Um, so it's one of those things I have to space out. But there's nothing. I'm, I'm not sitting there going like this plane was stupid. This person was stupid. Each it, they fixed Drax too. Yeah, From Drax Guardians was too. They fixed him. 
Drax and Guardians 2 was starting to piss me off a little bit because they amped him up to be too stupid. I mean, well, too literal. They made him very oafish. Yeah. And it was only supposed to take, it was only supposed to be about six or seven six months, months after like the events of the first one. Like, he wouldn't change that much. Yeah. Um, I did like, I really liked the dynamic of Parker, um, Iron Man, and Doctor Strange. Um, you have three very intelligent people all surrounded in the same space, but you obviously have one who's a teenager. And he again reference, you like, hey, remember that really old movie Aliens? <laughs> I was a little upset that he went with aliens and not alien. Yeah. Just because, I mean, they, they airlock all of them. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it, it doesn't really matter, but I was like, he should have done alien. But yeah. I get that he would lean more towards alien since it's more of an action movie. Yeah, it's more of an action movie. It's like 84, 85. It's a little more in his wheelhouse, but it's still... His death sucked, by the way. It pissed me off so much because I wasn't expecting it. And then... What I like is that, so he basically, he starts to die, and he says, I don't want to go. Which, if you're a Doctor Who fan, when Doctor Who came back, when the 10th Doctor died, that was his emotional moment. He had been poisoned with radiation, and he basically did this farewell montage. Uh, the, the actor was leaving, the writers and directors were all leaving, um, as they were cha- doing changeover to the 11th Doctor. And his emotional farewell was, he looks at the camera as he's been because he's been dying of this poison for like 24 hours as he sets his world right and he says i don't want to go while crying and then explodes and becomes the 11th doctor peter's everyone's dying just kind of like oh that's kind of weird or what the hell's happening to me and then peter falls into iron man's arms full kind of crying and says i don't want to go and i'm just like and i'm thinking the the 10th doctor i'm like i don't <laughs> you took a doctor away from me and now you're taking spider-man you're taking the first person who's both spider-man and peter parker you bastards yeah you're killing them what's wrong with you yeah and that i heard that hurt a lot especially the fan have you heard the fan theories that it's a spider sense that's why he's like, spider sense yeah. yeah that's that creeps me out if that's the real if that's the the way the directors are getting away with it like oh yeah his spider sense he knew he was about to die that hurts even more because <laughs> yeah everyone seemed to just kind of like look at their hand or like get a really funny feeling and then they were gone but yeah. peter like lingered mm-hmm. and it, yeah that's uh um yeah that, uh, one thing that i do want to get to before i i forget and before we move on uh i do not think it is a coincidence that the original spoilers for avengers 4 we know hawkeye made it he didn't get snapped out because he's been seen on set and there's a big fan thing about how Hawkeye wasn't in the movie. No, um, they explained why. They're under house arrest. Well, but, I mean, we, we also know that yeah. he he didn't get snapped out because he's going to show up in the next one. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it's a coincidence that the writers left the original six Avengers alive. You've yeah, got, I you've got Banner, Cat, Thor, Iron Man, uh, Hawkeye, and Widow. Widow yeah. I don't think it's a coincidence either. It just it does grate me a little bit. It's just a little too obvious, and that bothered me because I expected kind of like I expected like Scarlet Witch, um, Iron pa- um, War Machine. I expected maybe Doctor Strange. Oh, did I mention Sam? I think I forgot Sam in my list. Isn't he? Wait, Sam's there, isn't he? No, he's no, gone. Sam he's got a, Sam's gone. Yeah, yeah, War Machine was looking for him, and he ashed before yeah. anyone even noticed he was gone. Oh, that's right, because he he was like he was he was crouched on the floor or something like that because he'd been knocked out of the air or something. Yeah, and he yeah you're right. That does kind of annoy me a little bit. I understand it's probably purposeful. It's like, hey, 
we're regressed now back to the beginning kind of thing. And I, I think it's just, again, a last hurrah for the Avengers team. Yeah. It's going to be... Captain Marvel's going to be doing something where she won't be able to take on Thanos, and mm-hmm. the original six Avengers will have to just team up one last time to yeah. fi- to take out their greatest foe ever. Yeah, it's going to be something like that. I'm, I'm just slightly annoyed by it. I, don't I know. like it. As long as it's done well, I like it. Yeah, well, it just it's a little too... Well, there's just something a little too. I don't know. It just seems out of. How does the snap of the fingers and the half of the original team isn't gone? Because I mean, you expect because like, it's maybe, random. Yeah, but but it's, it's not really random because no. the screenwriters don't want it to be random. No, I kind of expected Tony to go, but then Tony's still alive. the The first ten years of the MCU are very much Tony's story. I know that's so. Mm. It, I think Tony might be a good candidate to die in Avengers Four. Yeah. The, the Russos and everyone have kind of laid it, or, and Marvel especially, have laid it out that you don't need to have someone be permanently dead to have stakes. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. It, you know, if Captain America survives through Avengers 4, if Tony survives through Avengers 4, and they're just like, we need to call it quits. You got Captain Marvel now. You got Spider-Man. You got Doctor Strange. You got a, a good figurehead right there to keep going on as the Avengers, but we're done. Yeah, I mean, I would like to see some of the stakes... Some of the people actually dead, dead though. I understand that they're they always want to leave the door open in case they can strike a new deal with them. But there's going to be there's somehow they're going to undo half their universe being snapped. Which either that's beating the crap out of Thanos to get it all back, but his glove was pretty blown up and so was, was his arm. That was going to be one of the last things I wanted to talk about. Uh, the last shot of the movie is Thanos on his farm, finally getting to relax, like he said. Before he goes, he when he snaps his fingers, that. Infinity Gauntlet is damaged all to hell, and so is his arm. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious if he's not going to be able to utilize maybe like one or two of the stones are cracked, or maybe he just is not able to utilize the full power of the gauntlet anymore because of how damaged it's become. He's able to use the space stone to teleport out, but we don't know the full extent of his ability to use those stones individually anymore or together. Yeah, I did like what he told Thor. When he told Thor, he's like, "You should have aimed for my head." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yep. So that was really good. And Ant-Man and the Wasp is, they've confirmed is before all this happens. I think it's going to happen just before to concurrent. I bet one of the post credit scenes will be like Hank Pym getting ashed and some people around them. I hope not. I just hope it's another one of those little, like, hey, this is our own adventure thing. What's going on in New York? I don't yes. think they're going to acknowledge it. I think that's mm. going to be like the very end. Like yeah. they're, they'll, they'll resolve their, like whatever conflict it is. And then they'll turn on the TV and they'll see the giant donut flying yeah. over New York. And then Captain Marvel's a 90s movie. Yep. So it's going <clears> to <throat> explain why she's been gone for 20 plus years. I am slightly concerned because they admitted that Coulson's going to be basically like second fiddle her the entire movie. And he's going to be like the new guy in the force. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could take an entire movie of 30 year de-aging. It's creepy whenever they <laughs> I don't do think, it. I don't think it'll be that much. Like Nick Fury is going to be in it too. And yeah. he's going to be de-aged. They, there's been leaked set photos of him wearing a wig. So he's got yeah. like 1990s Sam Jackson hair. <laughs> But not Jurassic Park Sam Jackson hair. Oh, that's the best Sam Jackson <laughs> That hair. is. Well, no, it's just uh, when they did the early, late 80s, early 90s for Ant-Man 1, and you had that version of uh, Hank Pym, it was a little creepy. Because I'm like, wow, you, this, is, this, is, uh, this is Wall Street. This is uh, Fatal Attraction, Michael Douglas. This is wrong. This is yeah, wrong. Well, they, they did the same thing with Kurt Russell in Guardians Two, and that was creepy. That was his teeth bothered me. Like the, everything else was good, but his teeth bothered well, me. Part of the, he looked like he still had his baby teeth. Yeah, the part of the thing that bothered me about that one is, 
I'm like, his head looks too big. But then I watched like it was, uh, it was like a month or two later. I then watched uh, Escape from New York and and one of his other movies right there after. I'm like, he's always had a big head. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, his cheeks look too big. His and they even is... gave him the like 1980s Kurt Russell hair and everything. Yeah, it was too. really weird. Mm. Um, and then they pulled off young Robert Downey Jr. As well in Civil War. Yeah, that's one of the weirdest ones. I mean, that works so well. And yeah, it's so weird because he, because of his hard life. Yeah, and he walks like right next to himself too. It's just like, oh my God. Yeah, and because of his hard life, he does not look the same. I mean, Michael Douglas, Kurt Russell, they've all lived, from what we understand, apparently a very very moderate life of... Just a little bit of cocaine and some cigarettes. And women, you know. But Robert Danny Jr. has lived... A rough life, and so seeing him so um, de-aged and so young, and so that that um, clean and epi- healthy, yeah, the effervescent skin kind of like glow to him it was really creepy. D- just slightly off topic, um, I did recently watch the newest Pirates of the Caribbean, where they do a de-age on Johnny Depp as well. That's a really good one too. That Not one, the movie, yeah, but the the de-aging. Yeah, the, the, here's the part that bothers me about that de-aging. They use the standing uh, young man. To do that entire thing, and then had Robert, and then had him do it, and then they did the whole de- magic de aging thing. There's another dude who's had a very hard life. <laughs> it is so creepy seeing him so young because yeah. they basically took Nightmare on Elm Street Johnny yep. Depp, pasted it onto this kid who's doing a Johnny Depp impersonation, and it is creepy. Mm-hmm. Really good though. Yeah, the rest of the movie was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like it makes no sense. I'm not going to get into it, but like. They had a post credit scene that teases the return of Davy Jones, but it undid all the curses, so technically Davy Jones shouldn't be cursed. And they paid Kira Knightley $5 to show up for two minutes and then lay in bed with Orlando Bloom. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of weird. <laughs> I think that'll do it for Infinity War. It's a good um, it's yeah, really fantastic. Good. Uh, definitely already up there. Probably top three or four MCU movies for me now. Oh, yeah. It's probably my favorite of the Avengers movies just because the the second one is just terrible but avengers the first one the further i get from that excitement of that first build that first movie the the lower it drops and my desire to watch it other than to jump to the battle at the end this one i can see myself watching because i saw the interactions of characters i've been waiting 10 years and 19 movies for uh i really liked two very arrogant people going at each other with this young teenager watching i liked thor who seemed his world seems so disparate to the others because he hangs out on earth for the first one hangs out mostly on rag on thor 2 hangs earth or um, asgard or asgard and the third one hangs out on jeff goldblum planet <laughs> but now he's in space and you're like wait actually space is large and there's these other things out there and then there's a god meeting humans and aliens, and it, they really don't address that fully in the Thor movies because it's not aliens, it's the realms. Mm-hmm. And seeing his interaction with Rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> and then finding out that the dwarfs are actually around... A, they're taller than the Frost Giants. Yeah, they're taller than the Frost movie. Giants, and they're around a, a, an imploding star, and that's where they get their energy. That one, that, that's that something was that, so weird. Yeah, like uh, that one weirds me out just because... The star is technically dying, but do they like freeze it and only open it up whenever they need to forge something? That's what I got out of it. So that but there's this, yeah, and you apparently need hands. Um, but Thor makes a comment about how, uh, or Rocket makes a comment about how like this is Nidalevir and or however you pronounce it, 
Nadalavir. I'll just pronounce it the way I know. Like this is Nadalavir, and Thor's like, this isn't right. This these rings haven't stopped working in thousands thousands of years, of years which would imply that they're still. Maybe the rings are like retaining the heart of the star. Yeah, I don't know. There's there's a lot going on there, but those aren't questions that are meant to be asked. Yeah, no, I, I liked it. It's things I liked. It. it was it was an interaction I wasn't expecting, and then they added to the mythology not only of this random galaxy because nowhere's a place, and then the collector the collector's dead, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like dead, dead. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> they're not gonna bring Benicio back. Unlo- not unless they decide to throw him in there for when everyone gets resurrected at the end yeah. of Avengers 4. Yeah. So it was just, it probably, might, it's got to be top three. Ragnarok is, I really just love just because of how funny it is. And it holds up too. Yeah. Those are just, they're just good jokes and it's a well-made movie. And yeah. And they, they did redeem Rocket a little bit for me too. Like a lot of the Guardians characters just got really sour for me with uh, if you listen to the last episode, you'll know Guardians 2 is one of my least favorite MCU movies. Yeah. And uh, it's largely because of overlong jokes with Rocket and Drax and Star-Lord and all that. Like, I I still really did not care for Chris Pratt as Star-Lord in this one. Like, they're... It's not because of him doing... I'm, we're going too long on this at this point. <laughs> uh, but it's not because of him freaking out on Thanos and quote-unquote ruining the plan. I do believe that Doctor Strange knew all that was going to happen. Yes, that's part of the the one, the one in the scenario four, that fourteen point five million. Yeah. yeah, but like he just, I don't know if it's just his swagger just doesn't seem to be there that he had in the first one. He's become more childish. Yeah, there's um, someone mentioned on some board somewhere that the problem with doing comedy movies that are permanently like. The Guardians of the Galaxy movies are primarily comedies that have some action in them. Is that if your if your characters grow, they stop being funny, and so you're forced to have them keep repeating themselves. That's part of the reason why I do like the second Guardians movie, but some of the jokes are just too long. And I realize everybody's arc is the exact same as the first movie, which bothers me. They just kind of swap some little things out here and there. Um, they give Yondu more things to do. So the whole Star Lord ruining the ruining planting that doesn't bother me because they showed that's his impulse that in the second movie that really terribly written line of and that's why i killed your mom and yeah. he immediately snaps out of the trance and he starts shooting the guy in the face i appreciate that because that's an instinctive reaction so this one's like oh you killed him more okay i'm immediately going to shoot you in the face yep. <laughs> but they toned them back and actually allowed them to be people again which i actually really appreciate and so we'll see if they actually can continue on some kind of good path in the third one but if there's the same kind of man-child thing going on, will they, won't they? Mm. Well, well I mean, we, we know they will, but our, well, our, if you're talking about Gamora and yeah. Star-Lord, that is really the only actual progression we've seen through that is that, oh, yeah, they are definitely together because at the end of Guardians 2, Gamora was just like, it's some unspoken thing. Yeah. And now they're like, oh, yeah, we are together and we are saying we lo- I love you to each other. Yep. So we'll let that be that. Infinity War, go see it. Thanks for listening to the forty-minute rant on a <laughs> on a four-week-old movie at this point. Wait, wait, wait. Well, okay, one more random thing. <laughs> I like Scarlet Witch and Vision. They have like three minutes of screen time, but I buy their chemistry. Do you? Yes and no. Because I've read some people. I, who are I like, buy the I, chemistry. Like okay. I, I can get behind it, 
but it creeps me out because Elizabeth Olsen is mid twenties, maybe late twenties, and I Paul, she was like thirty by now. Is she? I don't know. Yeah, whatever. She's um, late twenties. Yeah, but she's still like close to twenty years younger than Paul Bettany. Yeah, and that that sort of stuff in Hollywood creeps me out. Hmm. You know, that's the same thing as Andrew Garfield playing a high schooler for me. Yeah. See, I, I, um, some people are like, I don't care about Vision. I don't care about them. They they never have screen time. I'm like, well, yeah, their screen time is limited because they haven't had movies focused around them. But I actually do like the relationship. And I like that her being forced to kill him. And when they were walking around Glasgow or wherever the hell they were um, at the beginning of the movie and, you know, like, oh, they're romantic in together. Oh, they're they're trying to live their lives together. I was like, this is actually, I, I'm buying this because this is more interaction of downtime interaction than we get with, like, Pepper and um, and Tony. Pepper and Tony. They never have downtime interaction. It's always like some crisis is happening. Things are going terrible. Or like at the beginning of the movie where they're like, "Oh, hey, we're gonna have a kid." Crap's blowing up. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Pepper and Tony are very much more helter skelter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I legitimately both times I've seen the movie, I legitimately jump at each time Vision gets Coulson the first time. That's crazy. That yeah. that just comes out of nowhere. Um, so moving on, Deadpool two, fantastic, really fun. Another must see. You don't. I don't even think you really have to see the first one to get this one. No, not at all. So uh, I think the story is a lot more nuanced. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually pull some emotional beats really well. Yeah, there's a lot of really good humor, and there's a lot of really good comic humor, like mm-hmm. comic book movie humor as well that works really well. I don't think there were many jokes that fell flat for me. I'm trying to think of a joke to fill flat, and I can't. I can't find one. For me, it was. We're going again. We're going full spoilers yeah. with this. Uh, so if you didn't, if you don't want to get Deadpool too spoiled, thanks for listening. Follow us, like us, all that stuff. But I, I think the the juggernaut getting the the electric the, the power line <laughs> up his ass that that one didn't really work well for me. But I also just didn't care for the design of the juggernaut. It he looked weird. like like a a chimp or something like stuck inside the helmet. Like his, his mouth was really weird. His design. I get where they were going with his design. They they were, were, it was like really super comic accurate. Oh yeah. It was really comic accurate, which was a problem because his uh, real person's head doesn't fit in that dome. <laughs> well, <laughs> well that size of a body. He's, he's augmented by magic and some other crazy stuff. Yeah. If you're going by the comic adaptation. Yeah, that, that didn't work for me. And a lot of the Russell stuff didn't work for me, but I also think that's because I didn't care for his accent. Oh no, he's actually from New Zealand. I know he is, but oh, okay. I, I didn't care for it. Like, oh. it, it, like I couldn't. There are some things I didn't understand, and it, like it really caught me off guard because I did not realize that this character was going to have an accent. Oh okay, I think um, I think Marvel and Fox may be going from the same casting pool because the if I remember correctly, the director of Thor Ragnarok directed a movie called like uh, People of the Wilderbeast. Yep, and that kid is the main star of it. Okay. Yeah, so I, I, and he actually, it's a really funny movie. Um, yeah, Taika Waititi's, as far as I'm aware, he's actually not had a, he's, he's a Ryan, the New Zealand Ryan Coogler. Yeah. Except he does comedies instead of dramas. Yeah. But no, I didn't think of anything jokes that fell flat for me. The only thing that partially fell, the movie works for me. I, I might like it better than the first one. Um, the first one just hit a real sweet spot for me. It's like a really nice, short, contained it's movie. It's Apparently the movie doesn't work if you watch it in chronological order. <laughs> it has to have that weird jump back in time constantly. This one, they it's obviously they had a budget. I don't know. So some of the 
effects are a little iffy, so I don't know where that budget went. <laughs> I think but, it mostly went into like the Juggernaut yeah. and Colossus. So the movie starts off with a hysterical showing of Deadpool walking around, uh, walking around the apartment he shares with Vanessa, and he's smoking a cigarette, trying uh, sticking his head in in the oven. He has a bunch of barrels of like kerosene set up, and then he walks over to this little statuette of Logan from the end of uh, Logan from the end of Logan, impaled on a tree, bleeding out, which is how he dies in the movie. And apparently it's a music box because he hit it and it starts rotating yep. Logan around it. It starts the music and then he explains, well, Logan made Logan piggybacked off me. He chose an R-rated movie and then he died. So I got to die too. And he jumps up onto this barrel and explains, well, how did I get here? And then he, the barrels all blow up. Yeah. And I, I like that they actually yeah. kind of homage the first one with the broken timeline. Mm-hmm. And they, they kind of led up to all of that stuff. Yeah. Then as Once mon- you get through that, though, it, like the the story kicks up, and yeah. I, I think there's like a really, there's a really, like dram- not dramatic, but like, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, emotional. Not emotional. It, it's it's a really harsh cut to dead uh, to cable. Oh, okay, yeah, like, yeah. Y- you just jump to cable, and it's, it, it's just like, oh, whoa, okay, I guess we're doing this part now. Oh yeah. So yeah. So they do a montage of Deadpool. Um, he's become a worldwide kind of vigilante going around killing a bunch of people and one of a very very gory sequence of just killing lots and lots of people which is fantastic and then then it turns out that Vanessa died because he screwed up and didn't kill the right people and they showed up at the house off off uh, tried off him and Vanessa at the same time they fell at that and that's why he decides to blow himself up because he's so emotionally upset and then you have an amazing James Bond uh, title sequence yep <laughs> Featuring all Deadpool in sexy poses and doing weird stuff. And you get the classic title card of, like, they didn't do the same thing that they did in the first one, where it's, you know, like, God's perfect idiot and yeah. stuff like that. Um, they actually, like, kind of gave an internal monologue of, like, most of the audience, you know, wait, did they really just kill her? Yeah. I, I don't understand what's going on right here. <laughs> and then, you know, it says written by, it's like, they're the bastards to blame for her death. And then, <laughs> yep. And I did like what it says, directed by one of the guys who killed John Wick's dog. Yeah. And then uh, I think Ryan Reynolds' title card is uh, some the insecure bastard who can't share screen time <laughs> yeah. or something like that. Before we really get into like the stuff we liked, I want to just start with like the one thing that I really was kind of annoyed by is that the only reason they brought in Neg- Negasonic Teenage Warhead was to be like, hey, look, she's a lesbian. See, that didn't bother me. I didn't like. I don't mind the representation. Yeah. I just wish they would have actually given her something to do instead of just show up at the end and be like, "Oh, hey, we'll we'll take all these kids in the X in the the what's the word? It's, the, the, it's something bird Xavier School for the yeah. X, well, they'll they'll the take X them in the flight. Yeah, they'll, we'll take X-Bird? them in the Firebird or whatever. Take them all, all to the school since they're all mutants. Well, we have more recruits. Yay! Uh, but like that's literally all they did, and they like. Her her girlfriend Yukio is the best part. Like that's my favorite bit. Oh yeah, it, you know, hi Wade, hi Yukio. Yeah, that was uh, I love that. It was just too adorable. Yeah, no, but, I actually really liked he and Yukio's uh, interactions because it was really cute. Because you've got some of like Deadpool's from the comics. He does have his cuteness moments where he acts really silly and stupid, and not just you know a monologuing fourth wall breaking bastard. Yeah, <laughs> but again, it just it felt like. Negasonic Teenage Warhead was literally only there to be like, I'm a lesbian, look at me. And we have a Justin Bieber joke, too. 
No, nah, none of that bothered me. I, it did kind of annoy me that she didn't have an arc like she did the first one. That's well, that's, well she didn't have an arc the first one. She's she had more to do. Yeah, because one of my favorite parts of the first one is actually when uh, when Deadpool's fighting Colossus and he keeps breaking himself on him and it keeps cutting back to her laughing harder and harder the more he hurts himself. <laughs> And she just was just like stone faced the entire time, getting annoyed that uh, Yukio and Wade are getting along really well. But other than that, like again, I I don't mind the representation. I I, I, I applaud it, but I wanted her to do more. Yeah, I she was kind of surprised that like she wasn't part of the X Force group. Yeah, and like well, I mean the X Force group was literally there to just die, except for Domino. What are you talking about? They were there for more than that. <laughs> <laughs> That was one of my favorite parts. That was a great bit. <laughs> they all just keep. Dying. That was that was a very pleasant surprise. I was like, oh, they're gonna they're gonna you know rip on Avengers for a little bit, but nope, they all just kick it. Well, the thing is, and they set it up completely with Weasel being interrogated by Cable. Yep. <laughs> they're all like, I'll tell you the entire plan, everything. There's gonna be a wind. It's gonna be like from like 15 miles from like the northeast. It's a sunny day tomorrow. <laughs> you might want to do this. Oh, they're gonna cut through this course. They're gonna do all this. He's he, they're gonna come in from a plane. He tells them the entire plan. Yeah. And then they're on the plane. And it's like it's a little windy, isn't it? We're fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they all just die. <laughs> in horrible, horrible. Did you ways. did you catch the hidden cam? I didn't. Of all the cameos I caught, I caught Vanisher's cameo. Oh, yeah. Did you see that one? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. I didn't catch Stan Lee's cameo, though. I missed that one. Wait, Stan Lee was in it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I assume he had like, some kind of cameo. It's a Marvel movie. I'm surprised you missed the Alan Tudyk one. There's an Alan Tudyk cameo? Alan Tudyk and Mac Damon. Uh, when Cable shows up and when lands in the past and he's walking up and he talks to the two rednecks. The, red, the fat redneck is Matt Damon doing a Matthew McConaughey impersonation. Huh. The other redneck is Alan Tudyk. And the only and I knew immediately it was him because he had the body build and he was doing that uh, Tucker and Dale kind of like his chin's a little okay. forward and he's doing a little draw and I was like that's Alan Tudyk huh I know that's Alan Tudyk oh yeah and, I see it right there Matt Damon redneck number two yeah Alan Tudyk redneck number two they're both redneck number two for some reason in the credits yeah they are which is funny I'm surprised oh, I didn't see see Stan Lee if he was in it hmm. someone told me someone in my group told me that they saw it but uh, hmm. I mean getting back on track to the movie. It. The manager. <laughs> <laughs> they keep cutting to the floating, the stupid floating uh, parachute. Yeah, there's nobody. With, in yeah, it. well, he was in it. I mean, well, yeah, but I was actually th- there's a, a thread in or a storyline in the the Deadpool comics of Deadpool kills Deadpool. Yeah, which um, I think that that actual storyline is. Um, all of Deadpool's dismembered parts actually like form together to form like an anti-Deadpool. That's and, awesome. Yeah, and he's like all disfigured, like his he's got a leg where his arm should be and stuff like that. And uh, obviously, Deadpool can't kill him because it's another him, and Deadpool can't die, so he has to like creatively dismember him. But there's also a thread or a, a story where Deadpool wants to die. Like he hmm. he's just like I need to die. I need to find out what can kill me. And I really kind of liked what where they went with this, where he he wants to die because he wants to be with Vanessa, but mm-hmm. at the same time he's just like, what can kill me at this point? Yeah. And um, when they put those inhibitor collars on them, and he like his cancer kicks kicks back in, I was like, oh, I would have assumed that his like healing factor would have just like gotten rid of it. Yeah. But no, like his healing factor is constantly fighting it to keep it at bay. I guess. Yeah. That's and that, that's a that. really cool concept to me. Yeah, that's the way I took that. It was like when he started getting sick and you know, vomiting and nausea and all that stuff. I was like, 
was like, oh, oh the cancer's still there. I, I assumed he was healed as just part of like the whole regeneration just screwed him up. Yep. And he was just now he's healthy and can live forever kind of thing. But no, it seems that it, that his cancer was always there, which I thought was really cool. I was like, and then he seemed kind of excited. Well, not excited, but accepting him. He's like, yeah, well, I'm going to die. Like, yeah, cool. I can, I'll die of natural causes. I don't have to worry about Eventually. going to like, kill myself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what did you think of Josh Brolin as Cable? He didn't have a whole lot to do, per se, but I really like what he did with it. I mean, he was there to nothing but just be a... Um, a foil? Yeah. No, uh, he was just there to be the bad guy. And he was just there to um, snark a little bit, and I'm on a mission, and that's all he got to do. Uh, I did I did buy his, uh, his little change of heart at the end. I actually bought that. Which I understand some people might not because out of nowhere he's just like, well, I guess I'll save Deadpool's life. But I actually bought it because he knows his daughter and wife are alive. He kind of, I'm assuming that he realizes it's kind of effed up that he came back in time to kill a kid. <laughs> but I liked it. I liked what they, I really, really loved the character design when he actually was like, uh, when just they took off the shirt. Yeah. The only thing I, I wish they would have gone into um, the techno virus that is infecting him. I didn't know about that. Uh, yeah. In the comics, Cable looks like that because he. In the future, there's this weird techno virus that infects people, and they slowly become like a, a machine. Weird. And that's what is going on with him. Uh, so, like, it starts off with like fingers, and it just moves up and just Neat. infects the whole body. So, uh, I know there's, I know that in recent times there's been at least one moment where the virus like took over everything but his head. Huh. Well, that's pretty good. Cool. Which is why he has like the robotic arm and stuff. But uh, speaking of the robotic arm. I was really surprised at how many shots they took at like existing properties, not just oh. like Fox properties. You know, he's like he he sees Cable and he's like, "Who's the fucker with the Winter Soldier arm?" And you know, um, they they took a couple of shots at the MCU and they they act, I was surprised they actually did leave the "You're so dark." Are you from? Are you sure you're not from the DC universe? Oh yeah, I, I was surprised they left that one in. I thought that was just like a trailer line. Oh yeah, no, they uh actually noticed. Like um, right at the end of the movie, where he finally said, "said you're nothing but a, a clown dressed up like a sex doll" or something like that. That was at the very, very end of the movie. I was like, "Oh, I was like, that's right. I thought that line would have been earlier, but apparently it is from the movie." Um, but no, they took a lot of shots at Marvel. The whole was it. He has three questions: um, Is Dubstep still alive? Something I forget the middle one. But the last one is: Do people get tired of of robotic arms yeah. in movies? <laughs> Or the middle one was. What was something? I don't know. It was something about Deadpool. I forget exactly what it is. Yeah. It, but uh, yeah, it's it's a super fun movie. Uh, for mm. two hours, it, it was very brisk. Oh yeah. There are post credit scenes which we will discuss in a little bit. Yeah. One deleted or scrapped idea, I guess they had was um, Chris Evans was apparently supposed to show up at, in a Captain America outfit. Oh, that would have been perfect. Uh, this is supposed to be a uh, post credit scene where he shows up in his Captain America suit and. Deadpool calls him out for being the Human Torch. Oh, that would have been fantastic. Yeah, but I don't think Marvel and Disney would have allowed Chris Evans to show up as Captain America yeah. in that movie because there's distribution and likeness rights and stuff that they have to get by. And whether or uh, not they'll actually be able to buy it and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, one thing I want is Deadpool's crayon-drawn map of the plan that they were going to execute <laughs> just because there's so many little things in there that I, yeah. I didn't quite catch. Like... They they foreshadowed 
uh, juggernaut a couple of times. Like mm-hmm. one was Wade breaking the fourth wall and going, and a great big steaming pile of foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah. And then there's he, he again circles the the train or the the caravan or whatever, and he's it's he's circling and it says uh, surprise sequel monster. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, just kind of trying to throw people a little bit off. Surprisingly, I really Domino didn't have a lot to do either. But I really liked uh, what's her name, Zizi Beats. Yeah, Zazzy Beats. Yeah, uh, I, I really liked her as Domino. No, I really, really liked her because um, as um, as cynical and fourth wall breaking as Deadpool is, and it, the humor, the pluckiness of like him and Yukio and their little moments together, and then her just kind of like happy go lucky attitude of the entire movie was so hysterical. She shows up, and they there's a longer version of the interview where basically they keep arguing about whether or not luck is an actual power, and then, then you first see luck working as a power as she lands in like the street and starts going after the caravan, and he's monologuing about how it's not cinematic and nothing works, and it's just her just apparently just moving and all this craziness happening around her as she like lucks into all these things and into the caravan, into the driver's seat, all this stuff. And I'm like, wow, that's an, that actually made it work. Because I believe in the um, I believe in the comics, there's some kind of stipulation to her power where she has to be moving for the luck to work. Like if you get her while she's asleep or you somehow trick her into like being tied up or chained up or something like that, the luck factor doesn't work anymore. But the, And I thought they played that up in the movie by having any time something lucky was happening, she was on the move. And like the one time something lucky didn't happen, which is the brakes went out on the uh, the brakes went out on the caravan. She was in control of the caravan at that time, and when that happened, but I thought they did her well. Like when the caravan eventually gets destroyed, and Deadpool's broken and beat to hell, and uh, Cable is as well, and she just happens to fly and land in an inflatable panda yep. that was in the air. <laughs> which after that sequence, when they they go back to the baby hand gag but they you know just go full bore with it where mm-hmm. deadpool's got baby legs instead or no it's no it's well before that it's when deadpool's still going through his depression um i love the fact that they called back to just like a gag that they had uh in the first movie where wade tells blind al that there's a he had oh a my cure God. for her blindness I, I loved that buried in the floor un- underneath like eight pounds of cocaine <laughs> And so he he pulls out a floorboard when he's like he's just looking for cocaine to like numb himself from the pain of losing Vanessa. You see cure for blind Al <laughs> yeah, underneath yeah. the bags of cocaine. Yeah, these two giant bags of cocaine, some guns, bullets, and ammo, and then the cure for blind. <laughs> There's so many great gags and callbacks in this movie. It's yeah. it's so much fun. Uh, the final conflict is interesting too, even though it's just two CGI monsters of Colossus and Juggernaut going at each other. But it's more about Deadpool and Cable kind of learning yeah. to work together. But the the number one thing that I think bothers me about this movie is technically Cable should have disappeared. If we're considering it a straight line no, time yeah, yeah. stream, Cable would never have come back in time once once, once Deadpool saves right. Russell. And technically Cable would have never come back in time. But yeah. Cable's family is revived and that's all that happens. Yeah, something happens. He's all, the family's fine, and they're in the future, apparently living happily or something like that. Without cable, though, so it's like and a, and a, and a teddy bear. As yeah, well. he has hopes. Teddy bear still. So like, yeah, so she wakes up one morning, and the teddy bear's gone. 
Yeah, it's it's weird. That, yeah. that, but, I mean, they never set up the rules for their time travel anyway. Yeah. But while we're on the t- subject of time travel, we're going to talk about Deadpool fixing the timelines. Oh, God. These are the post credit scenes. First one we get is... The first post credit scene we get is Negasonic Teenage Warhead and Yukio fixing uh, Cable's time travel device. Yeah. Then we get some credits, and then we come in and we see a pan up of X-Men origins, Wolverine, Deadpool. <laughs> so it's half naked Ryan Reynolds with his mouth. Actually, it's not Ryan Reynolds. It, yeah. It's a body double, but yeah, I know. I just um, find it interesting that he refused to film those scenes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he's got the mouth grafted shut and we see Logan, um, say, Oh, I see that striker finally found a way to shut you up. Yeah. And then just a bullet goes through origins, Deadpool. Yeah. And he's just like, hey, just fixing the timeline. Just like unloads a clip into him. And then he's just like, love you. I love that so much. I really wish they would have been able to get Hugh Jackman back just for that moment. So he could have been like, the fuck? Yeah. The next one was, I I forget what the second one was. Oh, he goes back and saves Peter. Yeah, he saves Peter. He saves Peter. And he's like, bye. Just walk away, Sugar Bear. Just walk away. We don't need you anymore. You can go. Okay. Okay. This is kind of scary. Give Domino my my email. Yeah. And then the last one is him killing Ryan Reynolds oh, I love for that. getting the Green Lantern script, which is great. Oh, I love that. Especially since he's like so excited. He's like, finally, I'll be in the big leagues and bullet and blood splatter all the Green Lantern. You're welcome, script. Canada. <laughs> uh, so good. It's well, he also so much saves fun. Vanessa's life. Yeah, which that that raises some questions of is she going to be back for the third one? Is she technically still alive? Yeah, I do wonder how the the end credits actually work for this because the writers have the, they interviewed the writers and they said that the time travel thing is not going to happen. That they're not going to spend the entire movie hopping around Deadpool in the various uh, various time zone uh, not time zones timelines in various timelines and like Deadpool throughout history fighting the civil war well, that, and other that, crap. that doesn't necessarily mean that the time stuff time travel stuff that happens in the post credits doesn't stick right though. so but they didn't address that they basically said like oh if there's a third one we're going to keep it small smaller we're going to scale back because this was a very big movie for everybody involved and we don't want to do another big movie and we're not going to have any time shenanigans which makes me then go do those not count they better I would like it if Vanessa's counted. Yeah. Yeah. Because we need more Marina background. Yeah. And, and that did slightly bother me that apparently they only got her for filming for like two days. So like, you know, they filmed them together and then just filmed her around that room a few times. His his actual death scene at the end with Russell, um, with him taking the bullet for Russell, that was a great moment where he like oh, yeah. walks through the barrier and he becomes Ryan Reynolds, that was, Wade Wilson again. That mm-hmm. was awesome. No, that they're... That's the thing that makes me accept that, it was that they killed her. I'm fine with it. Is that their chemistry didn't falter a bit. Him being annoyed by the barrier when he sees her and her kind of like dismissing him of like, you you can't die yet kind of thing. I was like, wow, that's interesting. And then when it finally works and he, you know, the whole like, we'll be together when you're a better person kind of thing. And they were actually together as Ryan Reynolds and um, and her. That was amazing. And, yeah. And especially that little part of the end where she's basically sending him back to be live. And he's like, she's like, kiss me one more time. He's like, well, then come here. Yeah. Yeah. I actually like that. Yeah. That was a great moment. And uh, again, it's a very, it has some very poignant moments. Mm-hmm. 
and it, it does show off that Ryan Reynolds is more than just like a comedic actor. Mm-hmm. But there, there's the old adage of if you want a good dramatic performance, get a comedy actor. Yeah. Which is, again, why like Chris Hemsworth does so well. He does comedy really well, but he does do drama really well, too. Mm-hmm. I think he was a soap opera actor before he joined the MCU. Yeah, he was a soap actor. And- in Australia. And here's the thing. He has, like, what, three minutes of screen time in Star Trek, the 20- yeah. 2009 reboot? Which every time someone mentions that, you know, you know that was, you know, that was uh, Thor. That, that was Thor. I'm like, what? And then you rewatch, and yeah, he's a super lanky tall dude who looks way too big for those narrow quarters, <laughs> and he hasn't put on a damn bit of muscle yet. Mm-hmm. And that was a great look. Oh, you know, name the kid Kirk. It's a great name after my dad or whatever. I'm like, and then he goes and dies, and I'm like, oh, that's right. That was a good little performance from whoever the hell that no-name actor was. Yeah. <laughs> The thing is, the thing about the Deadpool movie is, it's just funny. And the, you, you mentioned they took a lot of pot shots and stuff. They took a lot of shots of Marvel, a lot of shots of Disney in general, with the whole bitching that Frozen ripped off Yentl. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was good, too. It's just, I, I want to see a third movie. And um, I, I do uh, like yeah. the fact that Wade's last words were, do you want to build a snowman? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what did you think of that little... Um, that little Easter egg of the two of them um, of the entire cast of the X Men movies not wanting to hang out. With them. I I love that moment. I was I forgot I I had I thought about it twice and I was going to ask you what did you think about the X Men cameo. The only thing that that does is it kind of breaks a little bit of continuity. Not that Marvel or not that Fox cares about continuity with their yeah. X Men movies, but they had the the X Men Apocalypse team. Right, and they also had well, no, it was it was still the same guy that plays Beast, but they had the X Men Apocalypse team, which I, from my what I understand, this is a modern day Deadpool. Like, yeah, he this is taking place in like 2018, 2016, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. So why are the kids that were the same? Like why are these the 1980s kids? Well, yeah. Well, don't forget that Cerebro smells like Patrick Stewart. Yep. Yeah, no, it's just it's just a damn good movie, and it was and it's ex- fun. It's exactly what I needed to today. Just go there, laugh, and and because the first one I went in with moderate expectations because there was they kept talking about how there's no money involved and it's and they have no real hope in the movie other than of course Ryan Reynolds and them were like, oh, this is gonna be great, we're gonna do great, and the, they hired some first time no name director who delivered an amazing movie. This one. I was looking forward to. I was really hoping that it would be funny and that it would be great with action, and the action was brutal. I mean, I, some amazingly brutal action. I didn't think this was necessarily as visceral as the first one. Like there wasn't as much blood. There wasn't as much like dismemberment. Like Wade gets ripped in half at one point, and there is the spot where he like breaks his spine in the the prison yeah. breakout. But I don't think there was really a lot more like. There, I don't. As far as I remember, right. I feel like there was a lot more like gratuitous blood splatter and stuff in the first one. No, the, the entire first part, like when he's fighting through that yakuza hot tub thing, their hands and arms are being chopped off left and right. Like there's a guy walking around in the background with his arms missing, and then um, um, the whole it's in the red band trailer where his hand gets shot out and he reaches through and the gun shoots through and he twists mm-hmm. the gun around and shoots the guy's head. Um, and then when he tumbles down the mountainside and he hits the rock and he crawls out of the that's, river and his head's yeah, completely that's true. caved in mist. Yeah, he's missing a big chunk of his skull. Um, Colossus gets his... I didn't know this could happen, but apparently Colossus' 
teeth can get punched out. <laughs> yeah, and he got a big dent in his forehead, too. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it was a little more... They didn't do any of the... The first one had a lot more nudity because he went to the strip club and then he had that nude fight scene with Ajax. Yeah. This one, I didn't... Other than that one sequence with baby legs, there wasn't any. <laughs> he nudity. went full basic instinct. That was really creepy, by the way. <laughs> that that was, but they played it off really well oh, yeah. too, though. And like Domino was seeing him without his mask for the first time, she's like, "Whoa!" And they started doing some of the jokes again. Yeah, but no, there was um, there was a few scenes. No, when Cable was going through like killing people, he's like breaking necks and punching people's, like breaking arms and stuff. I thought, that, well. So no, I think it's bloodier, but I don't think there's as much nudity. Maybe maybe that's fine. what I'm thinking. I don't know. I just I've, I haven't watched the first Deadpool in a while, so no. maybe I'm just. But uh, yeah, again, this is a must see. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if there's much more we can really say about it. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Super fun. Any last words on Deadpool two? No, it's fantastic. I, I'm tentatively excited to see if Disney allows them to film a third one. <laughs> yeah, I could see them using the Fox brand as a way to do R-rated superhero movies mm-hmm. and still get away with it. I, w- I would very much like to see a Deadpool Spider-Man crossover as well, though. See, I think I think we've talked about this one. You could do a PG-13 Spider-Man. You just would have to have, I mean, Deadpool Spider-Man crossover movie. You would just have to have Ryan Reynolds being really pissed off that he can't curse, and every time he does, it bleeps. <laughs> it, it either bleeps or they have like some kind of contrivance, like a truck goes flying by honking its horn. Oh, yeah. One of my things I would really love to see is him, tr- like him trying to get around like the PG thirteen sensor, like take him to like a strip club, and be like, "Hey, look, we're going to a strip club," and take Spider Man to a strip club, and just have the entire thing pixelated except for the two of them <laughs> and then have like peter reacting like to everything he's seen but we don't see anything yeah it's that 1990s bad cable pixelation yeah i, I and again I, I i agree it can be done it's just a matter of how they do it and what they're willing to do so we'll see um yeah. the, the merger is supposed to go through sometime next summer x-force films in october at least that's what fox said I don't believe any Fox dates right now. <laughs> the merger is happening, so we'll see what we'll see what ends up happening. Yeah, especially um, if the other rumors are true. With that, Alex, thanks again for being on the show. Always happy to um, be here. I, I think you'll be here next week. I, I don't know if we've talked about next week yet, but next week we're doing a solo Han Solo solo movie, okay. the Star Wars story review. So if you're planning on seeing Solo opening weekend, we can do that. Yeah, that's maybe that's uh, depends on something else. I'll tell you off camera. All right, off camera. Yeah, we have or cameras. We're... Didn't you know? I, I, did, a... I did not know you had hidden cameras in my house. No, no, no. We were filming this all on cameras, but we're only taking the audio for the feed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, in in any way, in any case, uh, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Um, we do have a YouTube channel. We we're kind of trying to figure out what, if we're going to keep it or not, just because we only get like two views and that's me and Derek. But we're on Facebook, Talking Smack, S-M-A-C. Follow us on Twitter at Talking Smack Pod. And you can also email the show at tsmackpod at gmail.com. So with that, Alex, who's got our theme music this week? This week we're having our theme song remixed by Tyler Bates in honor of Deadpool. And I hear that he is going to put in some sweet sampling cut outtakes from the movie. I thought you were going to go with the royal wedding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know who's composing that one. All right, fair enough. John Williams. Or, no, Wouldn't surprise right. me. With that, roll the roll that theme music. Peace. <laughs>